I know things you never see. Come on, Key, get rid of some of them turds in the shit box. Welcome to the Bathroom Break Podcast with me, Rab himself. Take one. <laughs> Perfect. Welcome to the Bathroom Break Podcast. I'm your host, Rab himself, and I'm sitting here today with Brooklyn Dom. We're sitting in Brooklyn Projects, his skate shop. Yes, sir. And uh, thanks for welcoming me. Thank to you. Your no, shop. fuck, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Rick. Yeah. Thank everybody. Yeah. Thank the powers that be. <laughs> Producer Rick over there making it happen. He's the best. <laughs> yeah, dude. I love it. So, how'd you meet Rick? Um, I met Rick when I had my first skate shop, Brooklyn House on Melrose, um, back in 95, 96. I met him. Um, met him i met dave carney yeah um and then uh you know over the course of the years we just had so many mutual friends in skateboarding and i would always see him and this is when he's part of the big brother um camp and at the time at brooklyn house my partner was kareem campbell so we had that connection with world industries um but because of of of, of kareem and then you know rick was the neighborhood guy and you know and then over time, I would see him more and then met more and more of the jackass dudes before they were jackass dudes. Like I used to play softball with, P, uh, with PJ, with uh, Johnny Knoxville. And, yeah. Um, so it was just like, he's just been the homie. He's the best. He's like the, one of the best dudes. He's, just, he's like one of the only people I know. Well, there's a handful of people actually, but he's one of those dudes that he's remained the same throughout. Hell yeah. You know, so I, he's a good, good dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's good. So, damn, you were you were partners with Kareem, Kareem. Mm-hmm. and uh, and that and you guys started that shop. Well, I started the shop Brooklyn House in Brooklyn in '92. Okay, in Brooklyn. Uh, in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And then I had it for a couple of years, and I would come out here all the time, because um, at the time having Brooklyn House, I was also at MTV VJ. Um, oh so yeah. Would, yeah, man, it was good. <laughs> Hell uh, yeah, we know Headbangers Ball. Headbangers Ball, baby. <laughs> um, so we when I would come out here for MTV stuff or at, also at the same time, I worked in the music industry. I worked at Def Jam, Island Def Jam. And uh, so I would come out here for either MTV or music biz and there was never really a cool skate shop. Um, there used to be one here in the early 90s, I think 91, 90, called Renee's, which was down the block. And Rudy Johnson came from there and I think you know Guy Mariano used to hang out there and whatnot. But that was like, before I actually stepped foot in LA and really became a, a, a permanent resident here. Um, but there was no skate shops. There was one shop called Atomic Garage, which was like this cornucopia of, it was basically a huge skateboard snowboarding shop. It was like a candy store, it was amazing, but it was a, it was a store for backdooring stuff to Japan. Oh, but yeah. I, but I, all my friends that I met in LA worked at that shop. And they hated the owner because he was just a dick. And I was like, man, I want to open up a fucking shop here, man. Because Melrose, it was just like the weather, the girls, the yeah, fucking yeah. the skating, just everything was just like out of control. I'm like, oh, fuck. This, yeah. you know, having a store in Brooklyn was dope. But, you know, I had a 300 square foot store and and uh, it, 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 you know, it, it was, it wasn't going to get bigger than that. And out here I saw myself you know having a bigger opportunity so i said fuck it and i just picked up opened up out here and had brooklyn going back and forth 
And at the time, I was having a lot of, a lot of pushback from opening. Because back in the day, you know, if you were too close to another shop, you couldn't get any accounts. Even if they were your homies, yeah. there was like things in, in dealer contracts. If you're in two miles of something, you can't get it. Damn. No matter what. So after a while, um, it, it was really hard getting stuff. I, would, I was sending stuff from Brooklyn here. Oh, it, was, it was, you know, just to have the shop and have a place to hang out. It was a hangout, basically. Yeah. Um, but you said the, the shop was still open in Brooklyn? Was, while, yep, yep. I was going yeah, back yeah, and forth. Yeah, yeah. The shop was still in Brooklyn. That was another, you know, challenging thing for me because I was doing MTV. I was doing music label stuff, record label stuff, and having two shops. It was insane. So, <laughs> yeah. but I loved having it. It was, it was like, it was a passion of mine, still is. Um, so after a couple of years of having issues, I, two years of having issues, I found out how to get these accounts. And that was by, I found out that Atomic Garage, they were, they had their own distribution center in Inglewood. No, actually it was El Segundo and all their shit was being sent to El Segundo and then it would get transferred to their two or three shops they had. Okay. So I was like, oh, well, I told my friends that, I found the loophole, because um, this, this, this chick that I knew, she was, uh, she was a lawyer and she found a little loophole. So I told my friends and they were just like, oh, let's, let me bring this up to account, let me bring this up to the sales manager, let me bring this up to account. And they're like, oh yeah, you're right. And then like they told, the owner of the of Atomic Garage, that his name was Ken. Hey man, we're gonna open up Brooklyn House unless you know you want all your stuff sent to your stores. He didn't want to do that because it was too much shit. So he had no choice. So I started getting product, and then being there two years, everybody started coming around, hanging out. Kareem, Keenan, Muska, Costin, Guy, Tim Gavin, uh, Shiloh. Fucking uh, Sean Sheffy, hell yeah! Uh, you know Jason Dill. I mean, all these dudes. Um, Peter BC, Eric Pupecki, Billy Valdez, Fabian Alomar. It was like, it was like every open up a magazine. It was yeah. like holy shit. Um, and that's when I, I was like, you know what, man? Me and Reem talked, and I said, yo, man, we should be partners. We should do some shit together. And he's like, let's go, baby. Let's do it. Yeah, and hell yeah. That was it. And he, it was like. We became partners and then, you know, we, we did Brooklyn House for like, damn, fucking five, six years. Hell yeah. Yeah, it was great. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah, dude. So, so like, did you skate growing up and then that's what... I, oddly enough, I mean, everybody skated, but yeah, in Brooklyn, yeah. it was more BMX. So I was a BMXer. Okay. And I was a very accomplished BMXer. And um, at 16, uh, my dad died. And that was like my thing with my dad taking me to races and all that. Um, around that time, I got, I slowly started getting out of racing and into more freestyling because that was really popping, freestyle BMX. And when my dad died, I just lost interest kind of in racing altogether because I had nobody to take me. My mom really wasn't really, didn't understand yeah. it. She tried taking me a couple of races, just wasn't the same. So I started going to this one shop. Uh, it was the most amazing shop I've ever been to this day which I model a lot of my store about. It was a store called Marine Park Bikes in Brooklyn. It was a small 300 square foot store, but you went in there and they had all this fucking cool freestyle BMX shit and they had all this fucking skate shit. 
and I was just like, wow. And I met a lot of these cool kids. And I remember this one kid, he, he looked like Hisoi. He was a soy clone. His name was yeah. Chiwe. And uh, he sold me my first board. I, I just like, you know, I, I just, these guys were dressing like me, wearing Vision Streetwear. And, you know, at the time, Hell yeah. you know, Gotcha and Bad Boy Club were yeah. like the cool things. And, uh, and, and they, were, they were just so cool. And I picked up a skateboard. I bought a... a I think my first was a Schmidt stick, the, the saw. Um, uh, that was my first board, and I was learning how to do beam plants and acid drops and fucking. Oh yeah. You know, I was just. It was so. It was just fun. And, yeah. And and then from there, Chiwei took me to Washington Square Park, and that's when it. It was just like, the skate scene was just blowing yeah. up, and I went to my second board I bought was a vision was a vision gator board and I bought it from Soho Skates and this lady named Anne who was like this art she was like the James Jebbia before James Jebbia I think he took a lot from her because he had this she had the shop in Soho and um, it was like supreme and you go in there and like boss got be hanging out there I have a picture Damn. of me and Andy Warhol would hang out there hell yeah it was amazing That's and I was crazy. like holy shit and I didn't really appreciate it at the time because I'm 15 I'm 16 yeah. 17 years old mm. And then through that, I started skating, and that's where I met, um, you know, Scott Ian from Anthrax, because he skated, and I was like, oh shit. And then like, I knew his band because my uncles owned this club in Brooklyn called Lamore. It was a heavy metal club, and I remember seeing Anthrax play there a couple times. I'm like, oh shit, you know, you play my uncle's club. Oh yeah. And I just became friends with them. And soon after, I dropped out of high school, and I started going on the road with Anthrax and all these other bands, and became a roadie. And, Okay, so that's what led to yeah. like you getting into the music scene. Was it was because of that. My uncle's had this club, and I was hanging out there since I was 12, 13 years old. Um, but actually, I got into music, oddly enough. It, it, everything is so weird. Like, you know, the chain of events uh, of, of things that happened. Like, when I was 11, 12, I was heavily into breakdancing um, and Disco and and and, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and Sugar Hill Gang came out. Yeah, yeah. And it was that was rap, and I was like, holy shit. But then, my best friend who lived in my building moved to this. I I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood in Brooklyn. Uh, it was like a lot. It was a town. what neighborhood? It was the flappish section of Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like it was black. It was Puerto Rican. It was Jewish, Irish, Italian. It was a mix of everything. Yeah, and. But it was heavy, you know, a lot of graffiti. We would do a lot of graffiti, a lot of breakdancing, a lot of riding trains and That's roller skating right. and all shit. It was Hell like, yeah. it was very urban. And when my friend Patrick moved to this all like, I don't want to say white trash neighborhood, but like, it's a white trash neighborhood. I, I started hanging out with him and I got like shown this whole world I never even knew like the BMX world, like I had a, a, a bullshit Toys R Us BMX bike, a Randor, <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. go to Patrick's house and I see all these kids and I'm like, thruster with a tri bar and fucking torquer and mongoose. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I pick up a magazine, Super BMX and BMX Action. I'm like, and then I see posters in his room of like Iron Maiden, Juice Priest with cool artwork. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. And that's how I got into the heavy metal and to the BMX because of that. Dude, that's so rad. Um, and it's just the chain of events. And because of that, I, I started skating and met Scotty and, and my uncles owned this club called Brooklyn, uh, Lemoore's in Brooklyn. And I started seeing bands 
at the beginning and became, becoming friends with them. I mean, Metallica played there in 82 with Dave Mustaine. It was like his yeah. last show. Damn. Um, I, you know, seeing all these, it was just amazing. And that's how I, I became friends with all these people. And after my dad died, I had no real direction. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, I'll go on the road, you know, hang out and yeah but it sounds it sounds like everything was just falling into place the way it, it, like it, it did should. it did it, it was kind of yeah. like it was a it was definitely like a shock to my mom and you know because yeah 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 just leaving her and like you know at 17 going by the time i was 19 I, I remember this i'll never forget this i got kicked out of high school at 17 um and to my, my parents school was everything yeah. you know especially my mom it's like yeah, you're going to school. You're going to college, like every parent in the '80s. Right. Um, and I remember when my dad died, I started hanging out with the rockers, the heavy metal dudes. Um, and this is public school because once my dad died, we couldn't afford Catholic school anymore. Because I went to Catholic school in my life. Yeah. So I never knew about cutting out and not going to class. Yeah, it yeah. was like, but I heard about. It, I saw it in the movies. I never knew it. I never did it because I couldn't with Catholic school. Right. You did that, you get caught. They would call you, know, you yeah, up right yeah, there. Yeah, you get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so I started doing that, and then they started sending all these letters to my house. But I would intercept them because my mom started had you know had to get a job, and she wasn't getting the mail. I was ripping them up. And then I remember the principal. He basically said, "Hey, man, you haven't been to school in like four months. You, you come in, and you got an hour here, an hour there. You know, he's kicking me out." And I remember begging him, crying, begging him. I, I swear to God, I was begging him on my knees. Please do not kick me out. I was like, this is like not even like, it's like seven, eight months after my dad died. And I was like, please, please. Damn. He's like, nope, you're worth this. You're a piece of shit. And all this, like this really fucking horrible stuff to say to a fucking 16 year old kid. Yeah, I've experienced some of that too. You know, and it just, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If they said that today to kids, it'd be lawsuits oh, and yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. protests. For real. <clears throat> but. Like when you said you intercepted the mail, like that shit, can, you couldn't even do that nowadays. It's like it's already emailed and already Exactly, like back then it was a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember begging him, crying, and I, and I said to him, I got really mad, I said, you know what, fucking, and he, I said, next year this time, I wanna make more money in one month, you're making a whole fucking year, motherfucker, yeah. and this and that, yeah, you're not gonna be nothing. And by the time I was 17, because of Anthrax and these other bands, um, I, I saw the world. I yeah. was on tour. I went to Europe a couple of times. I went, you know, and I was like, "Fuck, man!" Yeah, doing pretty good for myself. Hell yeah! And that was my, that was my classroom. Was, you know, going and experiencing different cultures with my friends who were older than me, who looked out for me like I was their little brother. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was, it was, it was great. I mean, they even tried to make me lose my virginity at eighteen. <laughs> I lost it at eighteen, but. Not on my birthday. On my birthday, they 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 forced me um, in Holland in uh, in Amsterdam, the red light district. Yeah, yeah. I remember walking and um, <laughs> I saw this one chick. I was like, oh my gosh, she's so fucking hot. And we were there for a couple of days, and uh, we were walking, and then they 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 pushed me in there <laughs> in, in the in the room and in, 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 the, in the doorway. And yeah. they held the door, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "No, no, I'm not losing my virginity to fucking, uh, you know, hooker." Wouldn't she be the hot. first one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm banging, and and she's like, "Oh, it's okay." She spoke decent English. She was hot. She took me in the room, 
and then the windows are right there and they're looking and everybody's like banging on the window yeah yeah and I'm like I'm like fuck man and she she's like wait she closes the, the curtains <laughs> and then she's sitting there and she's taking off her clothes and I'm like I'm like listen I can't do this, you know, I'm a virgin. She goes, oh no, it's okay, they told me, it'll be fine, I'm like, no, 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 I said, do me a favor. <laughs> I had like some money on me, I go, here. I said, just pretend that I did something. Let's yeah. wait like 15 minutes and let's just pretend. And she's like, I said, yeah, just don't worry about it, let's have a Coke, you know? And yeah, yeah, sat yeah. there, drank some Coca-Cola in a glass bottle <laughs> and we're sitting there talking. And then like most innocent time with the hooker. Innocent. And I was like, okay, I said, you know what? Let me mess up your hair. And I took the water. She had like she was in the sink. I I, I, I like flashed my cell. And, you know, I may look like I'm sweating. That's hilarious. And then like you know, we opened the curtains. I put my shirt back on. I was like, yeah. And they're like, yeah. And they're like screaming and banging. Yeah. And I was like, thank you, thank you, Tan. And then you know, I mean, I lost my virginity a couple of months after that, but. They thought, but like, they thought they yeah, thought they, they flowered, but they, no, they didn't. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, dude. So it's like <laughs> so Scott Ian and Anth that's you were on tour with Anthrax yeah, at that point. Yeah. So they're all thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> Do they know to this day or no? I mean, later on, I was yeah, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think <laughs> I, I think I spilled the beans like, you know, way, you, way. yeah, that it was somebody else that you lost your virginity to. Yeah, actually, yeah. it was a, it was a girl. She was uh, her name is Jerry the nurse. She okay. was an actual nurse. Yeah. Um, she I was like, was, that sounds like the name of the hooker, and she's in a no, nurse's that, house. No, right? <laughs> Jerry the nurse. But no, she was a real nurse. Yeah. She was 35. Yeah. And Whoa. Yeah, dude. 30, but, but she, uh, she looked like, I was like, that slid by real quick. And I was she like, looked Damn. like Pamela Anderson. Yeah. She was fucking hot as but, fuck. But I mean, that's, that, I mean, especially like when you're that age, like older woman is like the greatest thing. You're like, hell yeah. Well, I, can, I didn't, listen. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> she thought, you know, she thought she had like some fucking stud because her her uh reasoning so she sees me at this club Lamores, my uncle's owned it and she's like who's this fucking kid you know who's like here every time backstage you know all these girls all over him well the reason the girls were all over me is because like i would you know fool around with them and everything but I, w I would just leave them high and dry and they're like oh uh, you know and they were like what the fuck is up you know you're, you're like, so they would just want more and more so here i am i know all the bands and all that. she's like wow and she would always like look at me like like give me looks at the bar and the club and i I will, i'll never forget this i went to jersey with um my friend louie um what was that Aliens? Yeah, for real. It's like a UFO outside. Um, so, <laughs> so basically, we went to Jersey with my friend Louie, and I went to go see my friend Peter's band. Um, he, he was a singer in Typo Negative. Yeah. Um, but he was also, his first band was Carnivore, and they were playing in Jersey. So we went to go and saw them. And uh, me and my friend Louie were there, and we got dropped off by somebody. I don't remember who. And the band was over, and... Jersey to Brooklyn was like San Diego to LA. It was pretty far. Um, and uh, that girl, Jerry, was there. And my friend Louie, who was older than me, he was like 24, 25, he was, all up, he was all over her. And she was all over him. So I was like, okay, cool. And then like, I was like, Louie, we're gonna, we're gonna lose our ride. I found a ride for us. And he's like, oh no, no, Jerry's gonna drive us home. I'm like, oh, you are? She goes, yeah. I'm like, okay. So we get in her car, fucking Camaro, total fucking like Jersey, this is like yeah, yeah, yeah. some crazy Jersey Shore shit. And then she, <laughs> she drives us home 
and she is going to Louis's house first. And Louis thinks he's getting some pussy. And she's like, oh no, I'm tired. She goes, oh no, drop Dalma first and come to my house. I'm like, no, 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 I'm tired, I'm going back, I gotta work. <laughs> so she drives Louis home first. She had she, a plan. And then she fucking takes, <laughs> cuts to my house, she pulls into my, uh, my driveway, and she's just like, she was just like, uh, like about to get out, and she literally fucking hits the gas. She goes, I'm kidnapping you. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> back to Jersey. Hell yeah. Back to her apartment. And we're fooling around and, you know, I don't want this girl to think I'm a virgin. You know what I mean? Right. But it's, I'm fucking, I'm fooling around with this fucking woman. Like, yeah, kids yeah, ass, yeah. like, I'm, this is a woman. Yeah, she's, this, she, she has she experience. Looks experience and like, <laughs> looks like straight out of a, play, a Playboy magazine. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never forget this. She's trying to pull my clothes off and I'm like, kind of like stopping her and this and that. Yeah. She gets up and she goes, her bathroom was like up these stairs and there was the door and she goes up into the bathroom and I'm like, fuck man, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? You know, I'm thinking, fuck. And she opens the door and she comes out in this negligee. Now, dumbass me, I'm like, oh, she's ready to go to sleep. Like I'm thinking she's going to sleep. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I take off my shirt, I'm about, you know, I'm about to go turn over. She gets on top of me, back on, she's trying to rip up my pants. And I'm like, oh, and she just like, she's, she's like, what are you doing? Just fucking take these off. I'm like, I'm like, all right. So then she stands, I'm there butt naked, and then she just stands and she goes, boink, boink, and here's this naked woman. I'm like, holy shit. Like, what yeah, the yeah, fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, like, I, I'm losing my mind. And literally, fucking, she tries to get on me, and I'm like fighting her. She's like, she's like, will you stop? I go, I, I, I don't have a condom. She's like, I, I, it's fine, I'm on the pill. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't want to get any diseases. She's like, um, I'm a nurse. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, uh, okay. And she goes, tonight, and I didn't know what this meant. She goes, tonight, I want you to fill all of my orifices. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know, I'm not, what the fuck's an orifice, you know? <laughs> so she gets on me and like literally I blow my load in like three seconds. Yeah. And she's like, what just happened? And I said, I looked at her with like puppy dog eyes. I'm just like, like that Tim Gavin board right there. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, uh, you know, you're my first, like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, she got so like dumbfounded and upset. I don't know. Yeah. She gets off of me, turns around, and I'm like, oh, I want some more. And she's just like, yeah, I'm tired. And then the next morning, she gave me a cold shoulder, dropped me off. And then like the next weekend, I see her, she's like banging the guitar player of Overkill. Oh, shit. And it's yeah. like, what the fuck? And you know, she had nothing to do with me. And then I remember I, I asked like a bunch of people, like, I asked my uncle actually who owned the club. It's like, what's an orifice? And he's like, a, he was like a Brooklyn goom, goomba. He didn't. It's like, what the fuck's an orifice? I'm like, and I went around. And I asked, I asked like the bartender Lisa. I'm like, what's an orifice? She's like, that's like a like a hole. You know? I'm like, I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, okay. And then I asked Pete Steele from Carver. I go, hey, when Jerry asked me, she's like, oh, that's easy. She wants you to put it in her ass, her mouth, and her pussy, all her holes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. That's okay. cool. Yeah, like, I didn't even know what that word meant. I didn't know what it meant, but I learned that, I learned that day. <laughs> dude, that's hilarious, Yeah, man. dude. That's funny as hell. So, wait, so were you, like, you said you weren't religious. Like, well, you went to Catholic school. Is I there a to... reason why you didn't want to lose your Virginia, or are you just nervous? No, I never, I just never, you know, BMX and, like, like you, you know, you said you're pulling your pants back on and, like. Because I don't want to do it to her, a fucking, you know, just a woman. Yeah. And. I feel like when I was that age, I was pressure. like, who the hell can I, I got to, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I, it was too much pressure. But. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, 
yo, real talk, right after that happened, that month, yo, I was fucking... I, 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 all those girls left high and dry, believe me, I was just like... Hey, what's up? Dude, I was, I was so fucking foul. Like, I remember... I, I used to do this thing. I used to get blown by these chicks at the club to get backstage, whatever. So I would tell my uncles, I'm like, hey, where you going, Dom? It's fucking only 12 o'clock. I'm like, oh, I'm taking her to the train station. Yeah, like yeah, the girls yeah, to the yeah, train yeah, station. Yeah, yeah. I was taking my car, <laughs> driver, she would blow me, come back in, like, oh yeah. Take like, this other one. Hey, I was at the train, didn't come, and I would do it all the time. So every time I'd say, I'm going to the train station, it's like, oh God. Yeah. Like it was just like, <laughs> they knew and that was like up. my MO and stuff, you know? That's I remember hilarious. my uncle tried to get me to lose my virginity and he thought I was gay because you know all these girls would try to hit on me and I'd be like yeah yeah and I would get their numbers and I was happy to get their phone number so I called on my uncle he, he was their partner uh, Frank Frankie um, this old like boxer dude he they came up with the name digits for me because all I would get was digits yeah yeah you yeah. know I would get nothing else and I remember my uncle my uncle Mike was just like there was one girl, Tina, always wants to, she always wanted to fuck me. And one day my uncle was talking to her. I'm like, oh, okay. And he was like, hey, Dom, why don't you take Tina's purse downstairs to the coat check? And that was his office with the couch and stuff. I'm like, I'm like the coat check is right here. No, 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 the coat check downstairs. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no coat check downstairs. He goes, yeah, there is. Like, and I'm like, Idiot. I'm like, no, it's right here. She's like, and he goes, hold on. He pulls me inside. He goes, you fucking idiot. Go downstairs and fuck the shit. What the fuck? She's been complaining about you for fucking three months. Go in there and fuck her in the office. The fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm cool. I'm cool. What do you mean you're cool? I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, so man. I was like, yeah, I didn't do it. But, you know, thanks yeah. to Jerry. So he had to think, like, what's up with yeah, this? Yeah, like, what's up with this guy? You know, like, yeah. I told him later on. I was like, yeah. He goes, really? He goes, all these fucking girls were complaining about you. I'm like, I thought you were the biggest scumbag. I'm like, nah, I just left them high and dry. I go home with them. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh, no, nope, I got to go. <laughs> so then after the, uh, the, the 35-year-old nurse. It was fucking yeah. game on, dude, for a long time. Because then you're still touring around the world. Uh, well, on tour, point. I wasn't that bad because I was a roadie. And, you know, the, the band yeah. got most of the pussy. Yeah, yeah. So, and I wasn't down for no sloppy seconds. I'm not saying I didn't have my fun. But, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it was you no. Know, when I got back home, it was like, you know. Well, see, I had always heard the stories of the roadies getting it first, and then the band almost being the yeah, ones to get the sloppy seconds. Yes and no. Yeah. You, you know, you would get you would get more blowjobs than anything. Yeah. Um, because it's like, come on the bus. You want a backstage pass? Oh, show here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, so it's like, the band got their share. Um, the really really hot chicks, they 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 knew that they didn't have to do that. They were holding out, yeah. Like the A-plus ones would hold out just for the band. B and C, they would, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> they, would, they, would, they would work for the passes, yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Dude, so, okay, so how did that lead? Like, so you're in the roadie world, and then how did that lead to you getting involved with, you said, uh, like, were you Island Def Jam? Is that what you said? I was, so Island Def Jam. So I was hanging around in my off time. I had a friend named Scott Koenig and George Slummers. Um, I would hang out downtown. They worked for Rush Management, which was part of Def Jam. Yeah. And at the time, this is like 85, 86, I would hang out there. 
skating and BMX and all this shit. And, um, they, from hanging out there, met the Beastie Boys. Hell yeah. Met a bunch of groups through there. And uh, I just, the guy Lior, Lior Cohen and Russell yep. Simmons, yeah, yep. they took a liking to me. And they called me Heavy Metal Dom. There was Heavy Metal Scott, because he was the long-haired dude. He's the one that brought Rick Rubin Slayer. Yeah. Um, and then Heavy Metal Dom. So I just started hanging out there, and I was like more like an intern, but like a paid intern. And from there, I would always come back and kind of like force myself on them to, like, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they liked me because I was, it was so different. I would like do so much, and I wouldn't get paid much. And Lyra really took a liking to me, so he'd always like give me a job. And... You know, I'd always like just. You know, I, I, he, you know, think think about it. He made he I, he kind of felt sorry for me because he would make me do stuff like, I would go to the office. Okay, here, go to my house and blah 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 blah, and and, and I want you to brush my cat. <laughs> like, I love cats, but he had like two fucking cats, like fucking long haired cats. I would, I would just sit there and hang out his house and brush them, <laughs> and then I'd come back and he'd yeah. like, okay. And then go to audio video world and take my speakers and I'm like, okay. And I would these big ass speakers. I had to put them on a hand truck, and it would t it was like seven blocks away. And I would fucking wheel it in the fucking snow to bring uh -huh. it to something fixed for it. But they weren't broken because my brother, the guy's like, oh yeah, it's not broken. I think Leo just wanted me out of the fucking office. Didn't have the heart to tell me I can't use you. So he made me do this random stupid shit. And I remember the the craziest thing he had me do was his voicemail box well two crazy things his voicemail box was like full and he wanted me to go through and write down every person's name and number it took me almost two weeks because he had like 3,000 messages on it I'm sitting there writing it down <laughs> on a pad and then years later before the iPod there was like, he had this this cube thing it was a black cube I don't remember who made it but at the time, it held 800 songs. Oh, yeah. And he made me, like, sit there and put CDs, but only certain songs. And, like, it, it was real time, you know? So I had to sit there and track number 17 on this album, put it there, and, you know, and, and, and yeah. log it. And that took, like, three months. You know what I mean? Yeah, so he's just But then I started, like, working with Scott. Scott had a label there, and I started doing A&R for them and A&R for EMI Records and... Signed a few bands. Um, I guess my claim to fame was putting together Anthrax and Public Enemy. Oh, which yeah. I helped, hell helped, yeah. I helped do that. Um, Damn, that's rad. Yeah, which I created. Well, we created a whole genre of music. Yeah. Um, but Damn, that's fucking cool as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I've done a lot. I'm almost like in a weird way, like a kind of like a bizarro Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've yeah, kind yeah, of been yeah. there, done it, but i never gotten the credit for it. But I kind of was, like, there, and I kind of... And it's like, oh, well, you know. Yeah, and, and your your story just kind of leads in so many different directions. It, 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 it Really, when I think about it, it goes, like... It, it goes... It's going straight, then it goes to the right, and then you think it's going to go off the cliff, and it goes right back to being straight again, and then goes back to the left, and goes upside down. It's like, yeah. But everything... everything it's like... A, I'm like a... I'm like a Quentin Tarantino film, where... Yeah. There's like 10 stories, but they all merge. They yeah. all merge. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. So then, so yeah, so how did you get to the to be like on Headbangers Ball on MTV? So as Rick knows, I'm such a nice guy. 
to um, <laughs> so some. That's how a lot of people. Um, I used to like, when I would go to shows, I would always see these people, these ladies um, from MTV. I never knew what they did, but they're always nice, always chatting up with me. They were a little older um, and they would just see me backstage and you know, I'd always talk with them. But then sometimes their passes, they wouldn't have passes, but I, you know, I knew the venue and like, oh, I got you and oh, I'll take you here. You know, I was always yeah. like, just nice. And then I found out they're working at MTV because they invited me to some like MTV event, I think New Year's Eve event or some and shit like that. This is like 85, 86? No, no, this, this is like this is 1992. Okay, 92, yeah. This is 19, actually it's, it's 1991 is when I started, when I first met them. But this, this is 92 when I asked for, I found out to work at MTV because they invited me to like their New Year's Eve special on 90, 1991 to 1992. Yeah. They invited me to the New Year's Eve special. And I was like, oh. Hell you know, yeah. They were like producers and Carol Donovan and Anson McDonald. They were big wigs, but I never knew. Yeah. Because I'm just like, oh, nice people. Yeah, I love how you just wander into stuff like, oh, I, I, just, like Coleman, Leroy Conan, cat. Yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah, dude. It's, you know, you're just like in these random, like these. Dude, yeah. I, got, I got plenty. Yeah. I got so many Leroy stories. I was like his illegitimate son, I swear. Yeah, that's um, awesome. So. I found out like what they did, you know, what, what they, where they worked and I was like, oh cool. And I asked him one day, I said, I said, hey, I didn't want to work, be a roadie no more. Um, if there's anything I can do, um, please let me know. They're like, oh yeah, well, we're thinking about something. I'm like, yeah, I'll sweep or whatever. So at that time, after I, right after, right in January 92, I moved for a couple of months to Huntington Beach. Okay. Um, Cause Scotty and oh, just, yeah. Scott just bought a house there. Okay. And he's like, yeah, come stay with me. You know, cause I was like going through a breakup and I was like bummed, I don't know what the fuck's and going he, on. And he's originally from Brooklyn too? He's or? from Queens. Queens, okay. So he's like, yeah, come stay with me. I'm like, yeah, I got a big ass house. And I'm like, all right. I went there for, I was like, how long can I stay? He's like, as long as you want. I'm like. Really? He goes, yeah, you know, we can go on tour from here, you know, whatever. I'm like, I'm like, all right, fuck it. I have a bedroom from you. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, hell yeah. Went there. It was on Lake Street, right off, right by fucking, right by like Main Street. And it's like, you know, Huntington Beach. And I remember going there and he's like, dude, get ready. I'm like, why? Well, he goes, we're going to go to Main Street. We're going to go to Sugar Shack. It's Baywatch. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, watch. You're going to lose your shit. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And I, and I go down there and I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. Ne this is quite a watch. change from like, yeah, Holy shit. From pushing snowy things at like snowy speakers. Dude, to like, it yeah. was like, <laughs> it was a pussy stampede. I was yeah, like, what yeah. the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. The weather. And I was like, Holy shit. And I was so like hyped on it. And then a couple months in the MTV people, my mom called me like, Hey, MTV called you two, three times. I'm like, what? So I call up. Hey Dom, we have something for you, can you come back? I'm like, oh yeah, sure. So I went back and they're like, okay, so meet us here. I'm like, all right. And I met them and it was just like, uh, what do you guys want me to do? They're like, you want you to go talk to the kids in the crowd. I'm like, I don't understand. Oh, you just relax. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then like, Ricky, Ricky the Rackman's there. I'm like, holy shit, yeah. Ricky Rackman. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, what am I doing? They're like, 
you're going to be on camera personality. I'm like, what the fuck is that? It's like, <laughs> we're going to have a camera on you. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to do that shit. They're like, oh, no, you have to. I'm like, no, 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 no. Trust us. Just do it. Just be you, be you. I'm like, sure. And I did it. They showed the tape to the higher ups. They were like, yo, this kid's fucking funny as hell. Let's, yeah, let's hell roll with yeah. it. And then that was 92. And it was like, here I am fucking one day on the beach Next yeah. day, fucking on MTV, and the first episode—I remember the first episode I was on. I didn't um, I didn't have MTV in Brooklyn. We'd have cable. Yeah. So it was on, and I remember I called my friend Gordon. I said, "Yo, tape it, <laughs> you know, VCR tape." He's like, "All right, yeah, yeah." And then it was on, and he called me. He's like, "Dude, you're on. Check out. Listen." He's putting the phone by the TV. Hell I'm like, yeah. And I'm hearing myself. I'm like, but just the. The, the first time just hearing myself like knowing on MTV was such a fucking crazy feeling and then when I watched it I was like I think I watched the tape like a thousand times like oh my god I'm on TV yeah and that's what that's what started my second journey in life or third journey in life yeah because of that I got into the whole clothing store shit yeah that's crazy yeah, yeah. I had a similar experience being on the Jackass show like I was in the CKY videos mm -hmm. and then when the Jackass show happened like their pilot was going to air and we were in college and I was like sitting there with some friends and they were like, wait, you're going to be on this tonight. I'm like, yeah. And like, everyone's like, what the hell is this? And then it came on and then everyone's like, dude. And I was like, man, this is crazy. Like, cause I, and I tore my rotator cuff on the first episode falling out of the shopping carts. And, uh, so I'm sitting in the hospital being like, Hey, I'm Rab himself. You're watching Jackass. And everyone's like, what the fuck? You know, and, it's and it, was, it was crazy. It's feeling, dude. Yeah. It's such a great and feeling. And it's the beginning of like, you know, catapulting you into a whole new life. And you know what? I think if that would have happened to me 10 years later, I would have definitely capitalized more because it was a bigger playing field. Yeah. But from at that time, you're on Headbangers Ball, it's like, where do you go from there? there? There wasn't like a lot of cable stations. There wasn't a lot of like other networks. Yeah. You were just that. And, but if it was like 2000, 99, oh, I could have done so much, but, eh, but I, don't get me wrong. I had, but how long were you on? Uh, five, almost five years. Five years. Okay. Almost so from 92 years. to 97. Yep. Nin end of 96. 96. Yeah. When, when they Damn, pulled the plug that's and That's a good run, ball. man. Yeah. It was, listen. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I mean, and it's such a rad show and I've, and like, God, I wish they had shows like that nowadays, like on, on, on. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be MTV, but on some network. But you know what? It's funny. I, I, I ran somebody from MTV like three or four years ago. I said, you guys are, are just stupid because there's a lot of kids, guys my age, younger. They, they watch YouTube. You own the rights to these videos. Why not have a, just redo it? Everything retro is cool again. Yeah. You know, do it where it's the old set and this and that and have the host and play, just play videos. This is the video of this and give a little history. This is, you know, Public Enemy Anthrax. You know, this is what's yeah, like, yeah. here's Corn. here's Rage Against Machine, here's Limp Bizkit, here's Iron Maiden. And yep. just talk about it and play the videos. But then, you know, metal turned, metal turned fucking really bad in the mid to late 2000s. It became affliction wearing laced people. And, you yeah, know, the yeah, dudes yeah. that ran it were like these, you know, older dudes like, you know Eddie Trunk and Don Jameson used to be a producer at MTV these old dudes that that's not metal anymore like I look at yeah. it and that's why like music sucks now it's like talking to some of my you know some of the bands who are still my friends I'm like I'm not going to mention his name but there was one band that they're doing a tour and I remember I was talking to him and 
I was like, dude, you know, I play your shit in my store and kids love it and you're huge. I was like, you're doing the anniversary of your first record. I was like, if you want to sell more merch and everything, like, yo, stop wearing the, the fucking affliction looking shit. Like, where we used to wear the Dickies, the Ben Davis, the fucking, you know, just like, yeah, oh, yeah, dude, yeah. I'm 50 years old. And I'm like, what's that mean? That does age means nothing, you know? Right, like, right. It, it's how you, you, you dress how you, that's why they say dress age appropriate. If you dress like you're 50 and you're 30, you're gonna look like you're 50. If you dress when you're like you're 20, when you're 50, you're gonna look like you're 30. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you could pull and it off. And just how you feel, like it's if that's who, that's who you are, then and, yeah. And they don't get it because when you look at metal, like kids these days, they can't identify with it because it's really bad. There's no style. There's no everything's eye candy. If if, if dudes came out looking like they did, that's why Corn still looks the same, and they translate to kids. Even Limp Bizkit and Metallica, they're still dressed the same as they did, you know, the last 25 years. Right, and I mean, I think, and and the thing is, like, because they're being themselves. I feel like if you're trying to put on like the Affliction outfit or whatever like you could see through that shit like where if you're just being who you are right and look then, at Slayer yeah, dude like, yeah, Tom still exactly. wears you know leathered pants and fucking cut off t-shirts exactly. and carries whole I worked on a music video with them one of their newest ones or whatever and it was it was which rap. one Repentless yeah 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 dude with uh, Danny Trejo yeah and they all came dude. Yeah, yeah it was fucking rad oh my god hell. that's dude yeah. so like but they still dress the same and like it's their music that's violent but at the end of the day it's like and that's because, you know, one of the dudes, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to hold back any punches. I said, you know, one of the fucking dudes is like the dude that's the face of metal now is a guy named Jose who's on Sirius, but he films his metal shows at uh, Affliction's headquarters in Long Beach, Seal Beach. Okay. And he comes to all shows and he gives them all Affliction, like boxes and boxes. They're like, oh, cool, free yeah, shit. Like here, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the reason. He's like, it's like he's he's. It's like the, it's like an infection. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, and, You're just and, pumping that into yeah, it. So yeah, so that's and then, they wear, it. and it's like, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and especially because when you're young, you're like, free shit. I put on anything. And these you dudes know, yeah. are wearing it. And it's like, yeah. Nah, it's weird. You can't just have like a uniform. It has to be unique to the to the person. Yeah, but these dudes are like, you look at them, and when they were like thirty, they're wearing what kids are wearing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, go back to what you did. It's like when I talked to Kirk from Metallica, I'm like, dude, I know you have fucking songs from the, the Black Record or not even. You have Ride the Lightning. Yeah, yeah, you have yeah. Kill, you have fucking riffs. What are you waiting? Fucking just yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, You mean you're saying yeah. the, the songs that didn't make those albums? Right. There's, you yeah, know, everybody yeah. has like 50 songs that didn't make it. And like, you know, and I think they did a, they, a couple of riffs they had are on the last record were like older riffs. That, yeah. That's why the last record was... <clears throat> one of the better ones they had in like three or four years because or actually more three or four albums because it was very very aggressive and it sounds like black album-ish Metallica yeah. and it fucking and works true to themselves of, yeah. Of what they, yeah but you know it's like again when you're rich and you're in your 50s you know you're not thinking about you don't have that angst anymore you know what I mean but except for Slayer they're, they're one of the only bands that yeah. still angry yeah. you know still fucking Hell you know yeah. they got that that energy yeah, um, and Anthrax too. You know, Megadeth, not so much. But yeah, the Anthrax come out with a new album. That's they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did really well. It's really yeah. good. And then they have another one coming out next year. Um, Hell yeah! It, yeah, music's definitely it's changed. And so do they? Are they touring like a bunch? Of stores? Anthrax are touring right now. They're they do like one show and then, or do they? No, tour? they tour for like okay. months. They've been touring for the last year actually. Okay. 
they I didn't did know a run they, with Slayer. Yeah. They're doing a run with Slayer now in Europe. And then okay. Slayer comes back here and does their last tour and I think it's like Ministry and Primus. Hell yeah. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about um, that tour. So yeah. that's that could be cool. Nice. I mean Yeah. Hell yeah. So back to the skateboard stuff. Oh so, yeah. Sorry, we so, went on the music thing for No, a dude, I mean it's it's all so interesting. Like you said the Forrest Gump thing, your life kind of just tra- yeah, <laughs> goes dude. into this way, then that way, then this yep. way. So after uh Headbangers Ball, is is that when you started or No, so when I was on Headbangers Ball, all my friends because I was I was a downtown kid, I knew all these people when they had these you know, at the time, unknown streetwear brands, skate brands, streetwear brands like Kingpin, Fucked, yes, Sean uh, Stussy, um, Fresh Jive, yeah, yeah, Pervert. I would wear it on MTV, and at the time, that was big wearing on MTV. That's like national Fuck television, yeah. and nobody else was wearing it because you get like all this crap in the dressing room. The, 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 the wardrobe people are like oh here's this and this and like no nah, I'm not wearing BC ethic and all this crap that's why a lot of the VJs look bad yeah I was wearing this cool stuff and I was like and then all these companies started sending me free shit boxes so I was like what am I gonna do with this so, I, so you just wore it without like you just wore it cause you wore it yeah I bought it I went and bought it and shit. they were cool and MTV was cool <laughs> with like just saying hey we, you're they were cool to- me wearing fucked t-shirts <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, that's rad um because I, I think nobody knew and it was, the censorship wasn't really there at the time. Yeah. And I remember I, I put, I, my dressing room had so many boxes of, because everybody split, jives, everybody was sending me boxes and boxes and boxes of free shit. So my friend Dave at the time, he's like, hey man, let's open up a store. I said, you know, I kind of want to do something like that. He said, well, you have all this free shit. Let's take, let's try it first. I said, let's try it first. It's a place called Caesars Bay Bazaar, which was like a, a swap meet. It was like the Slauson swap meet, but yeah. it was in Brooklyn. And we got a little 10 by 10 booth, and I started selling all the shit. Damn. And in f- fucking like two months, we, I, it, it was just blowing up. Like I, I couldn't, I was selling out. It was, we were open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's when the mall was, the, the swap meet was open. Yeah. By Sunday, we had no more shit. I couldn't, I, I didn't have any more stuff in my dressing room. I was like, fuck it, man. Let's open up a store. So I call up. And in uh, 93, I opened up Brooklyn House. And Okay, so this was like right as... Right when I was on yeah, MTV. Yeah, yeah. Everything like happened like boom, boom, boom. Damn. And, and uh, That's smart as hell, too. Like, like what it was, doing. It was yeah. great, man. And here's a little tidbit. I, I'm almost 99% sure I put together Stussy's first ever collab. Oh shit! And I still have it at my house. So I, because we knew Sean Stussy, I got together with Stussy and I made all the tour merch, the band tour merch, for the Anthrax Public Enemy tour. It was all Stussy jackets, and they embroidered it and they made the logos. And it, it was like it was Fuck Stussy yeah. Public Enemy Anthrax. It was jackets. It was uh, sweatshirts, and it was Stussy. It was all Stussy stuff. Dude, and that was like yeah. their first ever collab. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah. So it is like you're like at the right places at the right time. And yeah. then, and, but then also seeing the connection is huge. You know what? I could be a lot farther. And Rick knows, as I talked about this all the time, I think I could be a lot farther in my career and be rich living in a fucking mansion somewhere. But I'm very, very abrasive. And I'm, I'm, I, I, I speak up a lot. And 
That's I've not, never yeah. I've never pandered to anybody. I never really kissed ass. I'm just like, mm. I, I make I'll be nice to you and all that. But if you're a dick, I'm like, oh, you're a jerk. Oh, fuck out of right, here. Right, right, right. And you know what? Most people be like, oh no, like they'll play the game and like, oh, this person can help me. I'm just gonna be nice and yeah. hang out in that circle and wait for those crumbs. Fuck the crumbs. I want the whole piece of bread. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. And I think that's why I've never really, really excelled anything because. I may have helped put the things together, but I'm not like, hey, 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 at the time I wasn't like, oh, I did it, I did it. Now, right. it's like, yo, because of me in some way, some shape or form, I helped you know, curate this, it gave you a lane. Fuck you for not even right. like, respecting me or recognizing me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the problem I have now at my age because like, you know, this is like a real midlife crisis when you when you're looking. It's like I'm doing this for 26 years now, or 20, yeah, 26 years, 27 years, and I don't have a savings. I don't have a 401k. I don't own a house. I don't have anything. I have my shop. I have my friends. I have my connections. But any job you do for 25 years, post office, gas station, you, you know, retirement, descent. Right, right. And now, like a lot of the people that I've helped out along the way, that are in better places in in our industry. Yeah, yeah. They don't pay it forward. They act like they don't even know me. And it's like, really, dude? Like, yeah. you know, come on. I know. And that, yeah, that's definitely a tough situation because, you know, I've experienced similar stuff like that. Like where, where you just go like, you know, I mean, I don't, I, it, it's, it's, it's insane, but I don't think anybody gets the credit that's due, but, but then somehow someone else does that, does, that right. doesn't and deserve that, it. It's not so much I want to credit. I just want acknowledgement. Right, well, that's what I mean, though. It's like, like, I mean, that's what I meant by credit is like right. acknowledging just, like, yo. You were there. Yeah. Or, or you helped do this. Yeah. Like, you know what? People think I'm crazy when I say this, but, and, and again, the people that are around know. I made the lane. And this is, and look, I may be, I may be sounding egotistical, but you know, I came here, I opened up a fucking shop. I went up against Herb, uh, Atomic Garage, which was down down the block, <clears throat> and everybody said I was gonna lose, I was gonna close down in a month. And three years later, for I closed down Atomic Garage because I took all their business. Yeah. And then when I did Brooklyn Projects, okay, there was no skate shop here. There was Valsurf. We'll hold down the valley. Yeah. And that's it. Fairfax. Wait, you're what? saying the one up on Riverside? Like, yeah. I live right near there. That yeah. that was it? When I was yeah. here <laughs> in early 2001, yeah. when I opened up, there was no skate shop within fucking and, five and miles And not to here. hate on Valserve, but it doesn't feel like how this feels like a skate shop. Right. But that was the only place. And they, and, that's and, like and, a and 118. Surfing and right. so, you but know, that like was, That's yeah. California and Rip City, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but in Hollywood, No. When I opened up Brooklyn Projects, I created a lane, okay? I created a lane for Fairfax to happen. Without me, straight up, Fairfax wouldn't happen because for four years, I was curating these new streetwear brands. I was curating skating. If I wasn't there, like, why didn't happen? Why didn't Fairfax happen in 2001 or 2002 or 2003, 2004? Yeah, why didn't yeah. Supreme open up in 2001 there? It's because I did it all and I helped fucking lay the groundwork and then right, like, right. boom, Supreme opened up right there. Union held it down on La Brea for the high-end streetwear. Supreme opened up on Fairfax, but they opened up because they saw like what was going on with skating, all the pros, all the people hanging out at Brooklyn Projects. It was the shop. 
You know what I mean? It yeah. was a shop, and you know, a lot of people don't give you know credit. You know, like Atiba uh, Jefferson's first art show was at Brooklyn Projects. I yeah, saw a photo yeah. on the thing. He blew up for it. We had like ten photos on the wall. We had a little party. Damn, that's rad. You know, yeah, it, it's yeah. like all these little things, and but the people that know know, and I feel people like that, that don't yeah. know, and like some of them even don't say anything because like they they go with the status quo, like oh I don't want to like say anything. Yeah, right, right, I know right. it's like <laughs> I know you're there, but I gotta be cool with these guys because you know they're the hot brand right now, so I gotta like yeah yeah you yeah. know, and it's just like it just sucks. It really makes me like you know I, I remember I did I did some podcast or some interview, not a podcast interview for it was, I think it was a podcast too or or, or a vlog. And they're like, oh, if you had like any, if you could wish, they like a stupid thing. It's like, if you have, a, and if you had one wish, what, what would it be? And I said, oh, easy. I would go back in time 15 years and everybody I ever helped, I wouldn't help. I would take back, I would just worry about myself. And then the world would be a, a way different place because all the people that I've opened the door for and I've lent a hand to and lent money to and gave a couch to sleep on, gave a board to skate, if I didn't do none of that, I'm not saying they, maybe 50% would still have gone on their path, but not giving them the lane, I don't think it would have happened. Right, but I feel like the acknowledgement is within yourself for that because, because the truth is that's who you are and that's what you were meant to do. Like, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. if, you, if you didn't do that, then like, then all of that wouldn't have happened. And, and so like, I feel like there's something special and incredible about the fact that you are that dude that did that. I did that like, and like, you know, like rather than it's like of course like like i feel like it's i feel like it's the same idea in in music like like you're on a smaller label and you recognize that this band has like has potential and all that and then a bigger label comes snatches them mm -hmm. does that kind of thing and then it's like but you know if that band forgets about who got them to the dance then, and, then and that's that their problem. a lot of that happens you know what and the reason yeah. i left the music industry is because uh, excuse me um is because um I signed this one band. I'm not going to bring up the name because I don't want to talk to Yeah, yeah. I signed this one band. I was really psyched on them. And uh, we spent some money. And these kids were really fucking Midwest kids. They were really hyped. They got a record deal. And we worked on this record. And these, this was like life-changing life to them. Yeah. And four months, the single was already on the radio. Like college radio and stuff like that. And four months before the album was supposed to drop, not even for like three months, they got dropped. And they wanted me to bring, tell them the bad news. And I'm like, dude, just put yeah. the fucking record Shit. out. You yeah. know what I mean? Just, you can't, it's three months. Like, come on, oh, this, that, and like, I got shut down. And I had to tell these kids, <clears throat> and kids, they were like my age, a couple of years younger, and, and I fucking crushed them. And they were hated me, and they were so upset cry like they were just like I just I just destroyed them and I was like you know what I'm out of here and I quit the, I quit the business I did the skate shop full time yeah because of scumbags in the music industry but then the they're, skate they're industry everywhere. <laughs> well it's way worse in, in way yeah. worse there's been kids that I've put on and given thousands and thousands of dollars to to help their skate career and then all of a sudden they get to be at a certain point and then Supreme comes knocking on the door and like, oh, see you later. Um, who's Dom? I don't know who Dom is. It's like, damn. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of those. There's, yeah. there's half I imagine, I mean, if you're, if you're like I was saying, like, cause it's, that's why I was comparing it to the smaller label. Cause if you're that guy and that sucks, but then you, you know, 
in a way some of those people were always going to kind of be that way and then there's the people like muska that comes around well, muska like, is like yeah, one of those like, dudes that he's the first one to say like <clears throat> oh hell no you've been doing it don's been yeah. doing it because he sees he's been there yeah and there's other people that you know Gino and that dude's and a legend God. you know what i mean and like and and like you know and and the fact that you were you know partners with kareem and like yeah just all of the the legends that you have been a you Dude, know, you come in and you look at all these people on the yeah. wall and like, I mean, 90% of them still talk to me, but there's one or two of them I'm like, whatever do to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a bar on your wall. You guys were really just hang out. Like, whatever do to you, dude? Shit like, gets weird. I don't know how it does and, that. I, you know yeah. what? Everybody puts themselves on this higher plane and it's like, number one, I'll beat your fucking ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> number two, you're not, you're not better than me. But you also, may have more money than me, but... Yeah, but I think life has a funny way of reminding you when you when you when you when that starts happening when the ego starts going too much. It has a funny it's, way of it's so it's so <laughs> it's so bad right now. Like and and skating, like I've never seen it in this state. It's become so clicky. It it was it was it was never clicky. It, it, it was everybody respected each other. Like everybody was cool with each other. Yeah. Now it's just like, you know, there was some brands a couple of years ago that were like the hot it brands. Hey man, I want to carry you. I want to carry you, Can, you know? And they would just shut me down. Oh, we don't want to be next to Diamond or 10 Deep or, or the hundreds or whatever. And I'm like, well, that that's what pays my bills. That stuff, not skateboards, you know? Right. And they were so cool guying me. And I'm like, yo, I don't want to be a dick, but I'm Brooklyn Projects. I'm Brooklyn House. I've been doing this for a long time. I fucking am, a, right, you know, right. not to be a dick, but I've been around and when there's a legacy here there's there's like this is an establishment i never went out of business i've closed down for certain reasons losing leases and stuff like that but to keep a skate shop open for 20 something years yeah that's awesome that and after like a year of them being old cool guy selling to dover street market instead of brooklyn projects it's like since when is dover street skateboarding that's like you make fun of that, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you're, yeah. you're next to Gucci and you think that helps your brand. But then they all come back here after like they're hype, kind of like they start realizing and they all knock on my door and some of them I take in because you know, it's good for business. Some of them I'm just like, I was like, yo, fuck you and your lame ass brand. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, homie. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so, the fuckery is, I've never seen it. It's so bad nowadays. Yeah. It just makes me scratch my head like, you could, you're not you're not helping skateboarding you're just like being cool guy and like yeah it's crazy that it, yeah that it's like it, that it, it, and I mean and it's crazy too because you think of like the evolution of it from all the you know back in the 80s until all the way up until current dude, day it's, it's crazy dude you know it makes me feel good when people like 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 Jim Thebo and people like him like and I'm not knocking any shops right now okay yeah but I've never, ever, 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 ever sold a blank board. I've never, ever, 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 ever sold a shop board. I know some shops have to do that. Yeah, yeah. Great margins, but I go to some shops, it's, you know, on a wall of 30 boards, it's 20 fucking shop boards and 10 regular boards. Yeah. That's why skateboarding's in a fucked up place because Pros can't make money anymore because nobody's buying their boards. Damn. I support skateboarding. So when a, when a brand tells me, oh, we don't want, because motherfucker, do you see any fucking shop boards in here? You see any blanks? I support skateboarding more than anybody. I, like, uh, you know, Eric Ellington was telling me 
two years ago, I was like, dude, you know, you're like one of the only shops that doesn't sell. I think you are the only shop that doesn't sell shopboard. Like, how do you do it? I was like, dude, I just sell the clothing and I just want to help skateboarding because I know if I put a board on the wall, it's a Brooklyn Projects board or a blank board, kid's going to go, oh, I have 35 bucks or 30 bucks. So I'm going to buy that. I'm just like, okay, you know what? Another yeah. $10, you get a fucking last season's fucking board or another fucking 20 bucks, you get a fucking pro board, help skateboarding. Yeah, Selling yeah. shop boards ain't really, it's helping the shop, but it's not really helping right, right. Sk skateboarding. Um, and that's why it's like, when people tell me like, oh, I don't want to sell you because fuck you, you're not helping skateboarding selling at the Dover Street. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. No, and I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's awesome that you that you stay true to that because I think that's probably hard to do it. There's probably moments where you where you think like, shit, should Listen, I there's been, that way? Yeah. There, there's been, but you know, if I want to do a shop board, I'll do a collab with Death Wish, with Girl. I, I'll do a collab and then yeah. like, okay, it's, it's a Brooklyn Projects Girl board. It's a Brooklyn Projects Baker board. It's a Brooklyn Projects Real board. Yeah. That's what, that's what it's supposed to be because everybody eats. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, again, I'm not, not shops do it all the time. It's become norm. It's just, I, I, it's just me. I can't do it. I, I was always against it from when the blank craze happened. Yeah. Remember like 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, yeah. It was blank, blanks, blanks, blanks. Kids yeah. would come here, blanks, blanks. I'm like, no, fuck it. No. Pro boards, pro boards. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Fuck the blanks. And, you know, seeing a lot of my friends you know, losing money on skateboarding, getting kicked off teams because of budget cuts. It's, it's disheartening when I know like dudes that used to be big time pros working Uber, driving Uber. It's like, dude, you're, you know, so-and-so. What the right. fuck? It's like, yeah. well, my board, you know, I make a dollar a board now because, you know, nobody's buying them because of this, that, and other thing. I'm like, that's what, that's what it does. I mean, you sell your shop boards, but for every fucking one shop board, fucking sell two pro boards you know push it, that shit yeah. it almost it almost made me think of like Lars talking about not illegally download the music Napster. and it's like it's like that dude you know he took such a shot for it but uh, look what happened he was right right he was and, and, and it feels like that here it's like if you start selling the blanks start doing that you start cutting everybody out and you said and then, then they can't you know make a living because I think the misconception is that, that everybody's just so rich. Like if you've ever been on TV, you're just fucking rich. And then if you, and then if you, if you had a pro model, you're rich. And if you're this, and it's like, people don't understand, like it's a business like anything else. It's just that your face is out in front of it's of it. It's crazy. Skateboarding, it, this is what I, I think shop boards and blanks do. Skateboarding is bigger than it's ever have been, ever, ever has been right now. Yeah, right, right, right. It's in Olympics for Christ's sakes. Yeah. But there's no money anymore the the deals of like getting shoe deals for 10 grand a month and getting board deals for four grand a month and it's not there yeah, anymore yeah, yeah. every am and pro i know except for like the two percent they're they're broke they're making 1500 2000 a month yeah whereas maybe 15 years ago they would make four or five grand a month but there's no more money now. You know how right. many pros I know that have shoe deals because skate shoes don't sell because, you know, it's like Adidas and Nike and Converse and Vans. They, you know, corner market. But even they, their budgets got fucking tight because there's so many pros, bigger names, that are getting the big bucks that, it, you know, there's nothing to trickle down. And there's so many. And I tell this, man, skateboarding has become so like, it's like you got to work 10 times harder. It's not like, Back in the day, you'd throw a fucking trick in a magazine, kids watch it and study it, and then maybe it comes out a different trick, harder trick, 
next issue, which is like five weeks later or 411 video magazine. Yeah. Now you go on Instagram, kids watch it all day long. Oh, he did that? I'm gonna top that. It's like the shit they do now. Right. Pros, like there's, there's fucking 15 year olds that are better than people that have names on their shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like the instant gratification kind of thing that's going on. It's like back in the day, you had to wait for a video part. Yeah. Like, and you don't have to wait for that. And then nope. it's just like, oh, and I'm, and you're over it so quick too. Like, it's it, like, it, damn, like it, it's you don't even realize like what just happened, and you're already over it. <laughs> you dude, know, like you know what I mean. So that yeah, that's kind of crazy. I, I remember, um, I, I was talking to some pro. I don't remember who it. Maybe Reynolds. I remember, but we were talking just like a year ago. I said, I need some fresh new blood for the shop team. And, uh, and we were just talking about like, hey, you know what? I, I used to get like, he used to get like Baker, and I'm sure every, every board company, used to get like 50, 100, 200 submissions every month. Hey, I want to be on Baker. You right, know? right, right. And you'd find like some good talent. Nowadays, it's like cut to like 10, 5. Kids don't care no more. What do I care about? Because they're gonna do it on their own. On Instagram, Instagram yeah. I'll get Instagram gratification. I'll get people like, oh shit, get all these views, and maybe I can get like a little, you know, hook up for a shout out, like a weed company or a fucking right. drink company or whatever. Yeah. And even now, like I've broken, so many people used to be on my shop team, you know, that started here. Elijah Burrow, Lizard King, fucking Nakel Smith, um, you know. It, Pat Romney, uh, I mean, just the list, fucking yeah, hell yeah, Braden Safransky, uh, you know, there's so many people, but there's no, there's no new blood in in, in, in the industry. You don't see even trying to get flow, from right? A, you don't from see like, shop. hey, remember like back in the day, there was a new am and new pro every fucking other month. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like every other month, it's like boom, boom. Now it's like you see one pro like the last pro. I mean, who was the last? Jamie Foy was like the last one that came out, and I remember Lizard bringing him in here. Yeah, and everybody shut down. Oh, chubby kid, this and that. Lizard's like, you guys are fucking out of your mind. That's why when he first came out, he didn't have like the top tier sponsors. You know, we want to fuck with him. He came out and in fucking one year got the cover of Thrasher, King of the Road, and he actually always the fucking he's God. Love yeah, that yeah. dude. Hell Love yeah. him. Love what he did. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just kids nowadays, they don't... I sponsor so many kids and I just cut some people off a couple of months ago because my budget of what I give out for free, it's insane. I give out, last year in 2018, I gave out 20, almost $22,000 wholesale of product. <sighs> Damn. This isn't Brooklyn... This not, forget about Brooklyn Products t-shirts. I don't even count that. I'm talking like... Nike, Adidas, right, right, Spitfire, right. Thunder, Indie, and boards. boards. Yeah. Damn. And all these kids, they would just like, I would get no footage. They would go to the fucking local park. And I think that's another thing. All these skate parks opening up, <clears throat> it doesn't really fucking boost your fucking, you know, your, your level, your skill. You know, as going to like a courthouse or going to like the Hollywood, you know, high or going to El Toro, it's not there no more. Like, yeah. The kids aren't hucking themselves and doing some crazy shit. It's like, oh, a little couple of tech tricks, <clears throat> but they're not really that good. It's not on some day one or fucking PJ Lad shit. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. But that's what they do. That's that, and they're lazy. And like when the kids like, I got some footage and they gave me some I fucking phone clip. <clears throat> I'm like, 
Yeah, and I think, and I was thinking about like the the difference in that is like like you say, like when there's a skate park there and you can just go to that, like it takes away from the creativity right. of of what it of is. going to yeah. like schools and finding certain spots. Like, oh shit, look at like yeah, right. Look, I haven't skated. I was never on a, even on an am level, but it's just so funny. I have this thread with a couple of my team guys, younger kids. Yeah, and I saw this crazy. I went to San Diego for this BMX thing. In the middle of nowhere, I saw this fucking, in downtown San Diego, this fucking rail, <clears throat> but it was like a, it was like you had a runway and a rail. It was like a fucking 18 or 19 step rail to flat bottom on a side street. It was insane. I'm like, holy shit, this is a fucking picture. Yeah, yeah. And I showed Muska and he's like, dude, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I sent it to my kids, I go, dude, look at this. And everybody's like, question mark, like, what is that? It's like, are you fucking kidding me? It's a fucking, it's a wet dream. They don't like, see I'm, opportunity there. Right, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. And nobody got it. I'm like, holy fucking shit. Fuck, that's, that, that's sad. You know, like that, yeah, I feel like that's fuck. that's like crazy. Like I was so hyped. Like yeah. I wanted to come back to LA, grab them and drive back to San Diego and go, yeah. look, dude, let's shoot some fucking photos. <laughs> yeah. But it's a different time and that's yeah, why. Yeah, this I, has shifted so much too, for sure. Yeah, dude. But there's, I think there's, there's newer kids that are coming out because <clears throat> I think there's like a, there was like a big movement of, again, it's very clicky. There's like these like fashion skaters, you know, they get their, they're all pretty boys and they're wearing, they're skating in Jordans or Gucci pants and, you know, it's more of a, a, a look. They're good, yeah. but they get more hype because of their style of what they're wearing and who they associate themselves with. Like, oh, this yeah. person, you know, worked, you know, walked the fucking runway for Virgil Abloh and Off-White. Okay, and that validates <laughs> you. So yeah, that means if I fucking did an ollie off of fucking three fucking stairs, but I'm an MTV VJ, that makes me like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I look at that and that's not longevity, you know what I mean? That, that Those are kids that flash in right, a pan right, and I think right. there's a lot of flash in the pans. There's no more... I mean, just like well, music. And I think that's created by the fact of the instant gratification because like you, you, like you forget about it a minute later. So it's like, what's the point of trying to it, build it for a long time? It's so scary to me. And I, I hate sounding like my grandpa or my dad, but like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. when I look at skating and music, even fashion, you know, I, I watched, I was bored one night and on Showtime, there was like a, documentary of uh, George Michael. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I watched it. It was filmed in 1999. And, no, 2000 it was filmed, sorry. And uh, they asked him like, where do you see music going, evolving from here? And this is 2000. He goes, it's done. And they're like, I was like, oh, what do you mean? It's like, the music stops right now. It's not gonna go forward after this. There's nothing gonna be new moving forward at this point. He was kind of right because when you look at music, early 2000s maybe, <clears throat> where is the next Metallica? Where is the next Foreigner, Rolling Stones, Jay-Z, The Game, uh, fucking you know, Kanye, uh, Biggie Smalls, Tupac, Metallica, Corn, Slayer, there yeah. isn't. And in skating, where's the next Muska? Where's the next Reynolds? Yeah. Where's the next Costin? There isn't one. 
in the eighties, it was Soy, it was Steve Olson, right, right. it was Mark Gonzalez, and then it went to Mike Carroll, fucking Muska, Sal Barbier, Jason Dill. Then the last generation was the Lizard Kings, the New Jizz. Um, I mean, the, I mean, the list can go on and on of you right. know. But now what we have is like Jamie Foy. I mean, like who's the next dude that's gonna like be like the next Reynolds like yeah who, who is that dude <clears throat> yeah I don't know I mean do you think that it, like music and skateboarding and things like that are, are cyclical in, in the fact that that maybe that will like like almost it'll shed itself a little bit and then kind of re- I, I, I kind of feel like rebirth. it has to burn down like yeah. when a fucking forest fire happens everything yeah. burns down then like three years later two years later it's all green and flourishing yeah I think we hit that point where <clears throat> right now it's a raging forest fire it's it's about to like really just there's not there's not just gonna be ashes left in a minute because <clears throat> I think maybe once the Olympics happens it's gonna be just the floodgates are gonna open from everybody trying to like have all their pros and whatnot yeah but I'm scared in the same sense Olympics ruined BMX it made BMX which was a gritty motocross dirty sport style fucking it was all it was all about like you know talent but style you had to have style in everything you did whereas now BMX because of the Olympics it became like an actual sport where dudes are looking like you know all muscles and wearing all of that yeah. technical gear it, it lost that flair of like oh wow that looks cool you look at old BMX magazines and they're not doing anything crazy but their uniforms are now you look at it, it's like oh my god it's like it's like it's like cycle. It's like cycling. It's like road bike, but yeah. on dirt. Well, right, and there's there's something to be said because I, I feel like um, I feel like just growing up, like like I like I was probably more like you. I skateboarded a little bit, but I but I grew up with uh, you know Bam and, and yeah and Mike Maldonado and and Kerry Getz and and those guys and and Tim O'Connor and them. Uh. So then like I was always around skateboarding and I loved it so much. But I'll say like you know uh, like. Raleigh was like my favorite just because of like the style, you know, like just the way he looked on a board and the way he landed tricks and just like just the flow of, of of what it was was so rad. But then of course there's you know somebody out there that's that's doing something more technical or whatever, and I I feel like maybe the Olympics and I don't know I'm not trying to hate and I don't know that my voice you know I don't really count towards anything in skateboard I would never you know I I'm not the right one to say it but but it just feels like it becomes so technical and it's you got to land this exact type of trick and it's almost like like it, it turns it into like figure skating because figure skating is like you have to do the exact trick and land it specifically like this when really like the style and the speed of a skateboarder could make them more interesting to watch than just the fact that they could do like 360 lip slides I, or whatever I, like you know like you know what i'm saying like there, no, there's I, some I level it. of it's, like it's, of, it, of a style of a skater it makes them better than than just technically being able to land the same exact trick. It's, it's yeah. like if you like it's like it's like where it's like an art form and a sport together gets lost and it just becomes this technical. Sport. Well, yeah, that's what it is like. And when you look at like, <clears throat> you know, I, I think like, uh, you know, I think people that are non <clears throat> that are non skaters, okay, the general masses, they would look at somebody doing. Yeah, yeah. Some crazy, like, I don't know, fucking 
doing some fucking back three of fucking El Toro. Right. And go, holy shit. Which was, that's, that's, that's crazy enough. But then when you look at something like Nigel doing some crazy technical shit down a rail. <laughs> yeah. Which is way harder, but it just looks like, it, you know, it's like figure skating. And, and it's, it's like, it doesn't have the same, like, wow factor as a guy jumping off a fucking roof. Right, it's made to look so easy that right. somebody it's, goes, ah, oh, well, I can probably, I mean. That's what, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, like when I watch it sometimes and, you know, I'm like, holy shit. And some people that don't know skateboarding, they're just like, oh, is that hard? I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it didn't look that hard. Like, <laughs> I was like, well, it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think, I think the Olympics. It looked that could, hard? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, here, get on this board real quick and please, see how just fucking stand hard that is. <clears throat> yeah. It's, I think skateboarding is going to like it, it, the Olympics is going to do really really good for skateboarding yeah um, in a hole but I don't know again I mean maybe it's not maybe it's going to open Just, up the door for like more urban outfitters people selling to urban outfitters right. and Walmart and, and, and absolutely shift <clears throat> the landscape and then like and like I think it's like when you're making films like movies too it's like when you're shooting on film compared to digital it's like everybody's gonna have their different approach like I personally still like the look of film over a digital Dude, camera it's, it's so crazy I took pictures on a fucking disposable camera recently and some kid that shoots some stuff for us and I had the, the film and I had them on a computer I, I had a disc yeah and he's like, he's looking, he's like, dude, what filters? Like, what are you using? Light, like, like, was it Lightroom or whatever? And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck is Lightroom? Like, like, how'd you get this? I'm like, it's uh, film. It's film. He's like, what do you mean? I go, dude, I pulled out the Fuji fucking disposable I bought. I'm like, it's this. He's like, what the fuck? Look at, I'm like, exactly, dude. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Something's There's some lost. stuff you can't. Yeah. You can't recreate digitally. Yeah. It's impossible. Exactly. I, I, I like that. And... And so, yeah, so I think that it'll shift, but like it shifted when the X Games happened, you know, and like, and that was a good shift because it was almost it dead get money. water. Yeah, and it, and it did do that. And I feel like the Olympics will do that, but then it'll all filter I, out. I think the Olympics is going to do one thing and it's going to like, I don't want to say separate the men from the boys, but what's going to happen is <clears throat> I feel like the dudes in the Olympics, they're athletes. Skateboarding is a sport, but when I say athletes, Nigel Houston, just like Danny Way, goes to the gym every fucking day, fucking works out, is a fucking athlete. Yeah. The dude that smokes weed and drinks and parties and fucks chicks, but he could fucking, you know, crush his three course. <laughs> right, right, right. That's where it's going to start separating because that was that that time was the early mid two thousands. Absolutely. Was the fucking party and yeah, this yeah, and yeah. that, and it was that. Now, when it comes to Olympics, it's gonna be it's gonna be more like okay, you're gonna have to fucking no drugs. It's gonna be a fucking sport. It's gonna make Sean White, who's the yeah. homie. It's gonna be like yo, you're gonna have to be a well, fucking. Well, it's legit. Like having your you have your trainer. You're on. Yeah, your, you're, your you're like plan. a football player. You're like yeah. a baseball player. You're not yeah. like a kid on the street anymore. No and I think that's gonna like that's gonna cut. That's gonna close the door even more on a lot of people because you know a they're not making the money and b a lot of people it trips me out. They're so good. But they're not contest skaters. Like there's some kids, I know. Yeah. They, they, I'm like, dude. Oh, I have to. I have to make money. I'm like, why don't you go skate fucking these contests? Well, you have to be invited. I'm like, go for the qualifiers. Yeah, I'm not really a, a, a contest. I don't. I don't. I don't believe in contests and all. I'm like, you know what? If I had that talent, even one tenth, you know what? I'm gonna go to every contest I can because 
if I win just one and I make 10 grand, well, fuck, dude. I made 10 grand for skating. And then right. maybe somebody notices me and then I get signed and the next time I win 10 grand, they have to match. I'm making 20 grand now. It's like, it's just so, it's just a lot of like. But it's crazy too though because <clears throat> there are the people that are just naturally talented like that and they just love to skate to skate. The skate. And then now it's like, oh, you got to turn this into a business and then, then they don't that, want to. that kills their the motivation for, yep. for skateboarding. So it's such a, that's such a hard kind of thing and I think he said it'll separate that because obviously if you're training for the Olympics and doing that stuff you're motivated by obviously wanting to be the best at, at what you can at, at your sport but then you know there's other there's monetary motivations there of and course the monetary things. motivations so yeah so it does I mean it is strange it does it does sort of kill not kill the art form but like it sort of shifts the, the art side of skateboarding because now yeah you're like i'm getting up with my trainer i'm doing this i'm getting ready for the olympics i'm doing it and it is full-blown that way where yeah like you said like if you're just hanging out enjoying yourself and you're like damn i want to try this trick today and if, if that's a lifestyle and this is like uh you know dedicated sport it, it's it's, you know. it's almost like there's gonna have there's gonna be another shift like there was in the you know, late 70s, early 80s when Dogtown, the Z-Boys, when skate contests were dudes doing handstands and here come these dudes, Jay Adams and Albert. Right, right, right. They just came with like this whole like, fuck you, you know, counterculture fucking vibe. Right, right. Punk rock vibe and that just shifted because kids never seen that before and they're like, what the fuck is this? So I think that's gonna happen in skateboarding. Because, yes. Because, you know, there's no more, like I said, there's no more rentals, there's, well, it has to because I, I and I was thinking of Reynolds and I'm thinking of Baker because they were that they were that yeah when when it first came out it was like oh don't fuck with these dudes Baker shorties yeah 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 and, menace with right. cream shit like you knew like oh my god Stephen Callis and hell Billy yeah Lott. you know you knew people like oh wow right you know and that and I think that will have to happen again because once it does become so commercialized and so much of a sport there will be like. Almost, I'll say, I, I don't know if the term is, but like the punks that don't It'd be an uprising fun. from the yeah. ground. It'd be like, you right. know what? We're, we're the anti-establishment. We're the anti-heroes. Right. You know right. what I mean? And, I, and I'm, that I'm was the beginning. Of, that was the reason I was interested in skateboarding when, when I was. Like in the late 80s and in the early 90s was the reason why I was into it is because my dad didn't want me to wear those clothes and, and teachers were like, you're a little fucking punk. And I'm like, hell yeah, that's what I'm trying to get across. And that's why I want to be around this group. Right. So I think like that, that, I don't think, I mean, even if it's like they say rock and roll is dead, like it, it's, there's always still, it's not completely flat line. There's always some sort of something underneath there that will have, like you said, the uprising. Yeah, so. dude. I mean, there's already uprising in like streetwear right now. Like it's funny, like it's funny talking to some of my peers <clears throat> who have these big brands and it's crazy I don't know because I live it because of my shop probably but they're in their bubble because they're making millions they're just like and now they see like their brands aren't doing so good and like what's doing good what's and I'm like oh there's these brands like what brands I'm like these new streetwear brands I don't want to use a word but like well, what brands I'm like, there's like FTP, there's Super Radical, there's there's a Half Evil, there's Foul Play. Like, what what are these brands? Like, these are brands that they drop a collection. They're fuck you, fuck everybody, fuck Kanye, fuck this, fuck that, fuck every right. fucking brand. They have this huge following on social media. It's like a it's like a fucking cult. They drop three T-shirts, 
and they'll do half a million dollars in one weekend. It's Damn. crazy. And my friends that own these brands are like, what? I never heard of this. Like, what the fuck? Like, what? I'm like, dude, because you live in a bubble. You hang right. out with who you hang out you with. Yeah, keep your ear to the street. <laughs> but yeah. like, these brands, yeah. I'm like, that's the new, that's where I see the new movement is. And unfortunately, a lot of these brands, they wanted to sell direct to consumer and they're happy because they're making all the money and this and that. But I'm trying to talk to them because that's the next intonation of Brooklyn projects. I've always been, I was the first like in Brooklyn selling up and coming brands and nobody heard of Project Dragon, uh, um, uh, Recon, uh, Haze, Pervert, Extra Large, the Stussy, Fresh Drive, these yeah. were fucked. These are brands that nobody ever heard of at the time. It was just starting right. when I was first. Early 2000s, the hundreds, Crooks, yeah. Diamond. What are these? It was, that was like the yeah. new movement. Nowadays, it's these brands, but these brands don't want to be in shops. They're happy, but I'm trying to kind of like convince them, hey, this has been like a legacy jumping point for so many different movements. Right. Let's bring it in here so that way you have a place, a showroom, people can see it and then still sell your stuff out online, still make your hundreds of millions of dollars, but have a place where kids can actually come and immerse themselves in some culture and some history. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah. That's my next, that's the next play, you know what I yeah. mean, for, for Brooklyn Projects. And do you believe that there's still like an interest in that? Because I think about like like liner notes for like albums and stuff like where people don't have that anymore. You don't have that luxury of like when you went to like the music shop at a record store and you got it and then you got to look at like yeah. the artwork, you got to do that. Like you don't have that now. And like the, the brick and mortar thing has shifted so much because of Amazon, because of online shops, because of all these things. Like, do you think that like that people still want that like even though like like cons like you know the, the the people that are selling it like the consumerism thought is that you don't need that anymore but i still feel that that is there is a desire for that because when you look at like earlier before we even started this we were talking about how people are starting to use cassette tapes again like because of that throwback that vintage sort of feel like i feel like kids don't even know what they're missing with the fact of not having liner notes in their albums and not having a spot to go try <clears> on the new, the freshest shoes that are out or right. stuff that's like that. And you're just blindly ordering it. Like, I feel like they don't know that they're missing that and that, you know, maybe that, that dates me, but, but I still think like, if you knew what you were missing, then you would want that. But I feel like the newer generation, when kids come to the shop now, they don't want to. They don't want to like. They want interaction. They want to hang out with their friends. They want to see what their friends are wearing, what their friends are doing. It's not no more like phones. The newer generation wants the experience. You know. Yeah. They want it now. They don't want to wait for Amazon to deliver it. You know, a day or two. They want to get it within the hour. And when they come in here and they see the history, they go in my office. They come in the store. Like holy shit, they immerse themselves because right now it's the '90s and the 2000s that are really influencing the kids. That are 18, 19, because you know they were like one or two, or not even born at the time. So I feel like the brick and mortar shop is going to be the new thing. Just like cassettes and records are very, very big now because it's retro and everybody yeah. wants it. I think the brick and mortar, if it's done right, it's it's a it's a community. 
Yeah, um, exactly. It, it builds a community. It's like, uh, you know, I've been, I've had a ramp in my backyard for 10 years. I had to tear it down because the city was getting on top of me because of a fucking neighbor, but I'm rebuilding it again because of the community, because I'm like, fuck it, I'll, I'll still fight the courts. I'll still wait, I'll go to court another two years. Right. And then I'll rip it down again and then I'll build it back up and go to court again for two years. I draw it out because it's a community and kids, you know, come in here and they get an experience that they can't get from a, a computer screen. Absolutely. And I think kids want that now, you know, that they- Dude, you need that. You need it. We know that, but that time they didn't, they, you know, it's, they right. sit there and oh, they buy and they get it in a couple right, of days. But- like, like I, I literally, like about a month and a half ago, I stopped going on any of the social media. I'll just put up a, a, a photo like when the podcast comes yep. out. And it's been the best shit for my mental health because like I, I would just be like opening the phone and then clicking right on. I'm like, well, I don't even give a shit. I don't even want to be on this. Like, why am I doing this? And like, it's just because you just get so like hooked on it. And then you do miss like just kind of live in life like just enjoy this moment like take this in rather than like hold up let me get a photo because i gotta put it on my story and this and all this stuff and like i just i got hooked into that too and 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 didn't even realize it was happening and then was like oh my god i gotta get away from it and i have and as a result i'm doing way more creative stuff i'm i'm like into painting now and i'm and i'm getting into stuff and i'm trying to get back into clay work and doing that and then i'm also like writing a lot more and i'm going out and filming things and we're just going to get things done because i'm not sitting there getting in this like hole of like an instagram or a youtube hole and that's the problem and it's like and that's why but but i think like i think like kids need like you need that and then they want it and then i I love to hear that you're saying that because there is nothing compared to hanging out at the local skate shop there's nothing that fucking compares that i mean you can't order this thing and do this take a photo make yourself feel good that you have your new shit on and so then all your friends on your instagram see that it is or your snapchat they see that you that shit does not compare to coming down here, hanging out, getting on the ramp, and just fucking around, and just well, like just going yeah. out, just coming in and fucking buying some stuff. Go go to the local pizza, just hang out right. with your friends, and like try yeah. to pick up chicks, not Tinder. It's like like if you miss that shit, like you don't get that back. Like like at this point, like you know, I'm almost forty years old. Uh, like I'm a younger a younger one of the of all the jackass CKY mm-hmm. guys. I'm I'm the youngest, but. I'm 40 at this point, or almost 40 at this point, and then I go, dude, I can't get back my teenage years. I can't get back my 20s. I think I did it the best. Like, I do think I really enjoyed my life, and it was so rad to have done it the way I did, but I can't ever get it back. And so if I felt like I was looking at a screen for all those years that were important, I would be fucking bummed. But now, because you're older, you think like that, but a lot of the kids, like, nowadays, they don't think like that, and it's like, it... It's, and I'm not taking away from anybody's things what they do like they're right, right, right. You know, everybody wants to be a YouTube star and this that because it's so easy. You can just like I see people and I I get sucked into it. Like wow, there's a guy that my girlfriend showed me on Instagram. He has like almost a million followers, and it's some chubby guy, and all he does is every day he farts. I swear to God. Yeah, yeah, And it's yeah, just yeah. him, fart, and he had long farts, short farts, this sounding, <laughs> and he sits there and he farts. And it's like, it's like fucking, you know, 1,500 posts of him farting. And it's like, <laughs> but it's because people get like, yeah. you know what? It's like, remember like back in the day, it, it was like, you know, when you used to watch America's Funniest Home Video, yeah, there was yeah. no YouTube. You watch like, oh my God, it's so funny. Nowadays, I mean, look, Rob Dyrdek has a fucking show right. 
based on doing that in Tosh 2.0. It's like, it's, it's people want to see fucking, it, it opens the door for people to see stupid shit and that these people who are weirdos in their own right, it's like the Howard Stern whack pack, they, 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 they become like these celebrities that he's like, why are you famous? Like, what do you do? It's like, oh, because you look weird and or you, you have this talent. You yeah, yeah, yeah. You fart. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, it's just crazy. And, yeah. And it just like. But the thing is, like, but with that, I see, okay, the guy that farts, he has a million things. He gets up and he farts for 20 seconds and then he probably goes and lives his whole life. Yeah. Where you're now sitting there watching his farts all, all day. day long. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I don't want to watch. This is stupid. But at, at first, I'm like, oh, my God. It's, got, it's like funny. <laughs> but then it, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. just. He's getting like half a million views on each fucking fart. It's like, <laughs> and I get it because people are just like, just like, remember when this one farts dude was like, are always they did the egg, the egg thing. We want this egg to get more likes than fucking Kanye. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Got 20 million likes. Like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's how crazy we are. It's like, that's the, the world we live in. And it's like, you know, you have people like the Jenners or the Kardashians that are famous for doing What? Like, well, at this point, he, they have huge businesses, but in the beginning, course, it, was it was like, like yeah, 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 it's like, it's like marketing. Everything is marketing. Yeah. And it's just crazy. It's like, it, 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 it's mind blowing to me how, how the, 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 the world has become. And I, I feel bad, not that I feel bad, but like some kids, like they want to be rappers and again, their face is tattooed. It's like, dude, what are you going to do when it doesn't happen? Like, you know, your face, like, and, and a lot of them, like, uh, three weeks ago, I caught, we, we caught this kid stealing. I almost beat the shit out of him. I'm trying to talk to him. He's getting all fucking hip. I was like, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll fuck you up. You know what I mean? And I'm trying to talk to him. And I'm like, I said, what are you doing out here? He's from New York. I came out from New York. I'm trying to be a rapper and this and that. It's like, why do you steal? Because I got the money to buy it. So if I can't buy it, I'm going to steal it because I need it. It's like, why don't you get a job? I can't rap then. I can't do my, 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 my fucking career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, you're Korean paying money, homie. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But, like, but the mentality is, I'm going to steal. I'm going to do whatever I can until my career. But, right. It, 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 you know, that ain't going to no, end up and, well. Yeah. And it just, it's just like, I feel bad because these kids have no... Like, hey, listen, when you were in a band growing up, listen, I, I lived that life. You know what right. I mean? Oh, cut your hair. Da, da, da. Yeah. When you're in a band... You had a day job. You worked at the pizzeria. You worked at Macy's. But on the weekends, you go on tour. You play your shows. Right. And if it happened, you get a record deal. Great. If it didn't happen, you still had your fucking job. And then after your fucking job, your day job, then you went into career. You know, you became a fireman or you became a stockbroker. You became a construction worker. You know, you had something. Yeah. Kids today, it's like, no. Not, they don't look past. And I think it's also because it's a... Uh, it's instant easy. gratification, it, man. It's instant like, gratification. It's also a job that you could do. Like, like I know so many kids. But no, I was thinking, I was like, my thought was kind of, you know, the fact that it was shifting so much and kids do want to have a place to go to, a, you know, a place to have community and to have the local skate shop and, you know, go get a slice of pizza and hang out with their friends. And, and it's awesome that the new generation is kind of like shifting that and you're seeing that because they're here right in your shop and, and you know i think that's so cool i i think uh you know then that sh to me shows that you definitely need to keep brooklyn projects rolling oh, brooklyn projects is gonna roll because i mean this is my legacy yeah um 
you know, I'm trying to do more and more because I want to like, I mean, I don't have kids, but I've always said this to the kids that work here and whatever. It's like when I die, I want to give this to somebody like, yo, man, here are the keys. Like, keep Hell it going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I'm carrying the torch. I mean, because, yeah. you know, Supreme used to be like that place where we used to go there and hang out and mesh with the fucking workers and become part of that crew, that clique yeah. in New York and even LA in the beginning. But now you can't. It's just lines of people waiting to get in to buy. There's no more. It, it's it's, it's become yeah. like it's become a place to buy shit. There's no more not like, the camaraderie of right. You can't just go in there. Yeah. Oh, I hung out with so and so, and I met so and so. We're just hanging out. We're gonna go get fucking no. It's like you have to be invited to be a part of it, and it's yeah. like very clicky, and it's like it, it lost its soul, and and there isn't there isn't really a there's skate shops, and you know what I, I I have to say this like that's why I like a place like you know Zoomies for that matter. People talk shit about it, but they create a community in their in places outside of the big cities like you go to like fucking Kenosha Wisconsin yeah the cool store is Zoomies you know what I mean and yeah. kids that work there are all friends and they hang out and they skate and their boys come there and they all fucking hell yeah it, 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 so that's what we, we need we need more community based shops that actually nurture the community and like you know make it fucking cool like come here hang out fucking drink smoke weed pick up chicks Dude, when we had Brooklyn House, we used to have a couch in the fucking back that we would fuck chicks on. <laughs> yeah. We had a couch yeah, in the back yeah. that we would fuck chicks. Close the door, Keen would go there and bone this chick, and then at the end of the night, we'd come back after a club, go there, have parties, fucking smoke weed, fucking, you know, it was fun. Yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. fucking, you know, and that's what's missing right now, and I think that's why I'm going to keep these doors open, because... I don't want it to die. I'm like the I'm like the last of I'm like the last Best Buy store in in Alaska. <laughs> Hell you know yeah! I mean? I'm no. just waiting for it to come back. Well, that's fucking rad, dude. And when you uh, when you get the new ramp up, I'll have to come down and please, and, and ride. Please, yeah, yeah please. dude. Because I haven't I haven't ridden a mini ramp in a little while. I just kind of get out and cruise around on a board. But I'd love to. We're gonna do something mini. different. It's gonna be kind of dope. I think I'm gonna to get around the city bullshit. I'm building it out of concrete I'm making like a sculpture but it's a skatable yeah oh hell so, yeah. yeah it's gonna be out of concrete it's gonna be a mini ramp made out of concrete dude hell yeah it's gonna be good that'll be rad well, six I'll... foot high <laughs> 50 feet long we'll get Rick down here too <laughs> come on Rick let's do it hell yeah dude thanks for coming on I thank appreciate you so it. much dude yeah this so is much. rad this awesome. is fun to just just talk shit I loved it dude and, uh, and uh, just to hear your story man it's rad Brooklyn Dom is the Forrest Gump of skateboarding yourself, music. Yeah, I'm the Forrest Gump. That's right. Life's like a box of chocolates, right? Hell yeah, dude. Thanks for coming on the Bathroom Break Podcast. Thank you very much. Hell yeah.